Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Dop Beef. So, Beef, you called it Thursday night. You said it's official. Oregon and Washington is going to the Big Ten. It obviously came out publicly uh, Friday afternoon, but, man, you called it. Hey, so I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I am literally patting myself on the back right now. The emergency podcast we did, we recorded on 8-3. It turned into being submitted on 8-4 because it was midnight, about 10 o'clock, and then had to get it out before ESPN or other other media outlets got a hold of it. So I had to fix the audio, repost it sometime in the AM. I think it was like somewhere between 7 and 9 in the morning, and he didn't find out about it until later in almost afternoon, I believe. Yeah, when our sources reach out and, and say it's happening, we, you know, we got to move. So, Oh, but we did have it on our NIL fan vote social media and we posted it to a bunch of different groups so we do have like record that we were the first to announce it really as a media outlet uh let's get into you know kind of why these things are happening why we're getting a lot of realignment in college football why it was smart for say washington and oregon to move to the big 10 so let's uh let's hit that recruiting aspect and you let me know what you think it's huge it's absolutely a dynamite bombshell pipeline defining moment you know let's go back to texas nebraska had the best teams that they had in the 90s, you know, that 1997 team that shared championship with Michigan. Why did they have that team? They were recruiting all across the nation, but they were primarily bringing in people from Texas. Why? Because they played in Texas a couple times a year so they could say, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to Nebraska because I want to be a stud. I want to go to the NFL, but I'm going to come to you a couple times a year and you can come see me. And Nebraska's not too far from Texas. You can come up here a little bit. Moms and dads and everyone still have to work especially back then when there was no NIL and they couldn't get there. Now what's happening? Nebraska has a new defining moment right now. A great coach in Matt Rule who did wonders as we as we're going to talk about later on in one of our other podcasts, but he has a defining moment to go get that pipeline from California now cuz he can say, "Hey, we're going to be out here. UCLA, USC. We're going to be out in Seattle now with Washington. I don't know that we're going to get a lot of players from Oregon, but you're still going to play out in Oregon. I'll take that a step further. Think about those schools that you don't think of in the Big Ten, like those Tier 2 schools, even Tier 3 schools. Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan State, all those schools are going to be going to Cali and competing to get these recruits. And they're actually, Iowa, Minnesota, and those schools, those Illinois schools of the world, they did not go to Texas because they didn't have those pipelines. They weren't coming there to get recruits because those recruits weren't going to go to Iowa because they weren't going to be able to come down in Texas and play. But now they have a pipeline now besides Ohio. Yeah, and then, you know, I want to get into the comparison, right? Obviously, the recruiting bed in Texas, California is is, is big time. So to show you kind of what the <laughs> lower tier schools, you're going to get into recruiting numbers. So like Texas, right? They have 42 people in the top 300. California has 23 people in the top 300 as far as high school athletes. 
And Ohio is probably the biggest recruiting bed in the Big Ten traditionally, and they have 10 in the top 300. So you're talking about doubling the high school talent, just having California as a recruiting bed for the Big Ten. Goodness. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane. So, And I, I don't think Ohio has enough representation just because they don't have spring ball, but that's another topic for another day too. I completely agree. But yeah, let's talk about uh, Fox kind of versus ESPN. So, you know, let's get into that. So obviously Fox Sports, ESPN have been – the magicians behind the curtain making expansion happen and realignment happen. So with Fox and this new change, they gained the greater L.A. area, the Seattle area, Portland, uh, population totaling out to 27.1 mil. Crazy. Yeah, and let's let's break that down. L.A., 18.5 in the metro area. That is huge. I mean, huge. That's a big base. A lot of money there. Seattle, 4.1 million. The big metropolis of Eugene, 176,000 approximately. So that's that's small. Then you go to 2.5 million people in Portland that don't give a shit about football. So eight of the biggest TV markets are, are owned by Fox and the Big Ten now. So they have eight of the top 15 largest TV markets in America. So not only eight, but the top four. Yes. So New York, L.A., Chicago... Philadelphia round out the top four. Skip a few down, and then you go Washington, D.C. at number eight. That is what they have. And if you want to go to the top 15, Seattle, Minneapolis, Detroit are also in that. Then take a look at the other side. What does... What does the SEC get? So you know, I, ESPN and, the, and... This is a knockout punch. Like, this is a monetary knockout. ESPN only has uh, total control of three of the largest TV markets uh, in the top 15. Now, they do have some bigger ones in Texas, so but what? they have to split that with what? the Big 12. And the Big 12 is also controlled by Fox. So some of their bigger TV markets is a kind of a battleground state with, the, with Fox, too. So Dallas... We have Atlanta, we have Houston. Dallas comes at number five, Atlanta number six, Houston number seven. And then Tampa is down there in, in the top 15 as well. Yeah, kind of crazy. And then speaking of, you know, Fox delivering some of those knockout punches, you know, I kind of wanted to go over Disney and ESPN. So Disney's lost 900 mil in the box office. ESPN itself has dropped 7% in revenue, while at the same time, Fox Sports has gained 18% in revenue. So you're talking about a 25% difference between the two. And there's rumors going around that Disney is trying to drop ESPN, which is, you know, this is kind yeah, of crazy. And, and I think once it gets to a certain point, a certain level of household viewerships, they're going to try to switch to a streaming service. So there's been those rumors out there and it's getting close to their cutoff line. Yeah, and but they say that. But, you know, why did Oregon and Washington come to the big? Because they didn't want a purely streaming platform they wanted linear tv and it's not gone yet and it still holds some power so i don't even know if espn's making the right move here yeah we'll see we'll see when the time comes i mean the time's got to be right too but yeah i mean fox is definitely looking like muhammad ali you know lining up down goes frazier that knockout punches the whole west coast every person on the west coast it's controlled by fox i mean they have the southwest a little bit with arizona which is a growing area in the big 12 that doesn't have anything to do with the sec i think the big 12 is going to be more powerful population wise and i don't know if they quite team wise that's a big nothing but maybe some of those schools will pick it up you never know that's true but yeah i mean we could be seeing the big the beginning of the end for the sec did i just say that you did just say that 
<laughs> that's never good. That's, <laughs> that's a good joke. Yeah, for our SEC viewerships, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. That was idiotic. You know, sometimes things just slip out. Ask your mom about that. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of those, that loss ESPN has taken to Fox, man, they had to let go of 20 personalities. You know, some big ones. You know, Jeff Van Gundy. Who are they? Susie Colbert, Jalen Rose, Keyshawn Johnson, Steve Young, Matt Hasselbeck. And we're not even getting into the college football people. You know, Todd McShay's gone, David Pollock, the Bear. Bear has moved on. Uh, He's been a part of game day for a a hot minute now. And and they're changing up their lineup and, and bringing in Pat McAfee, and that's cost them a lot of money so you can see that they're trying to change things to keep up and catch up with fox yeah pat mcafee is good i like him i like his podcast actually you know shout out to pat mcafee watch that shit it's good it he doesn't have a lot of college football on there but maybe now it does since he started on game day really miss game day and what it was when it started and i think there, there's a lot of people that feel that way game day used to be awesome now i i struggle to watch it to be honest with you I watched the big name kickoff. I loved seeing Urban Meyer on there. I loved seeing Charles Woodson. I loved the way it was. I don't know how big game Bob was on there. I wasn't real impressed with him. He seemed very stoic and not a lot of personality to bring to the set. But anyway, they're losing a lot, man. They are. And you're right. You're right on, man. Like college game day back in the day was that was the like the start of football every Saturday. It got you pumped. You were ready to rock and roll. You were ready to see, you know, that headgear it was it was everything and, and they definitely lost their touch so hopefully pat mcafee can bring that back uh, bring some of that energy yeah that would be awesome yeah so we talked about oregon and washington you know moving on and to the big 10 but what about those four corner schools we haven't talked uh, too much about them and where they're at and what's going on in their world yeah we brought it up in the emergency podcast we kind of knew arizona was heading out to the big 12 and arizona state utah they're definitely heading there so we didn't have the information. We didn't have the ducks in a row, if you will, before. Now we do. They're heading there. Signed, sealed, and delivered. I think everyone knows about that now, but some of our listeners might not. So we'll include that in there. And then there is some stuff going on in Florida State, that $120 million buyout they were trying to do with J.P. Morgan hiring them. Interesting read if you want to go into that. Some of the other schools in the ACC want to leave behind closed doors from what I've been reading. North Carolina wants to leave. Clemson wants to leave. Wake Forest on the fence. They, they kind of want to stay. NC State wants to stay. It was Duke. Duke wants to stay in the ACC. There, there's still some weird things going on in the realignment world, and I, we're not done yet. I think the Big Ten still has more to go under closed doors. There's more planning, which means the SEC is doing something, right? Yeah, I believe they are uh, trying to you know, load their web. They're firing their load. They're firing their load, trying to give the Big Ten another facial because they haven't done enough of that in the championship games. That's all they've been doing to us in the championship game, man. They, yep. They're firing their load, and they're firing it well. I mean, even if it's just losing to Georgia by an end-of-the-game field goal, a loss is a loss, man. I, I'm mm-hmm. getting tired of hearing all these Ohio State and or Big Ten fans making excuses we said the same thing to Miami about that pass interference. We said the same thing about Clemson with that, you know, when we got the targeting call against us. You know what? The targeting thing didn't go. They didn't call it right, but we lost. A loss is a loss, man. Suck it up. It's the next season. Now it's time to go prove it. You had your chances. We didn't have our defense right. So things got to change. 
You gotta oh, move on. Uh, so before we get into, I guess, our next segment, because it, it could be a little bit negative, but let's talk about the positive of realignment. So let's go ahead and explain the Big Ten Saturday lineup. Uh, man, it looks good. So let's let's hit them with oh, that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, man. You can sit back and watch Big Ten and nothing else for an entire Saturday. Just imagine this. You wake up, you watch Big Noon kickoff. Big Noon kickoff, they talk about all these games with Fox, with CBS, with NBC, with Fox again in the Pac-12 after dark. Big Noon kickoff starts with USC versus Michigan. Then it goes to CBS in the 3.30 time slot. Washington, Wisconsin, the Battle of the W's. Once that game's over, you flip it on over to NBC, who Ohio State versus Oregon. And then Pac-12 after dark, whiteout. UCLA at Penn State. What kind of day would that be? Man, that would be, couldn't ask for a better Saturday if, if the stars aligned and, and gave us that. And I think that's the positive side of all this movement and, and realignment and, you know, team switching conferences is you're starting to trim the fat and you're getting a better product on the field. And us fans Dude. should be celebrating that. I know it comes at a cost and I understand that not everybody's happy, but man, that lineup, when you look at it, you got to think, whoa, boy, give me that all day long. If that lineup was a woman, I'd be jerking off right now. <laughs> I'd be uh, doing more than that. I'd be taking her home to meet my mama. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into some of what our fans have talked about on social media. Uh, NIL fan vote on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. A lot of people have complained about regionality being dead in college football. And I can't necessarily argue that. I mean, I gave you my opinion on the positive of having a better product. But, yeah, what do you think about the regionality claim being dead in college football? I'm torn. But you've changed my mind just in this brief amount of time we've been talking about these games. I really wanted to be nostalgic and worry about rivalries and worry about saving that regionality and, like, having that different areas of the country against those particular areas of the country having that cultural regional feel. Um, it kind of reminds me of a clip from Ted Lasso where he's like talking about soccer. He's like, wait a second, you're telling me there there's seven countries within one country. Oh, I got it. Sounds right. Sounds kind of like America, you know, with the different regions. Yeah. SEC is their own region. It's their own country. You know, they do their own thing. It's a completely different culture than the Pacific Northwest, than the Southwest, than the Midwest, than the Northeast. We have a lot of different countries with college football's bridging that landscape, particularly the Big Ten. You know, we're, we're coast to coast now. We have the Oregon Trail. We have Rutgers versus Oregon. That's crazy. It's it's, yeah. it's changing, and I'm with you now. I mean, you those big matchups are more interesting to fans and sell a lot more for the networks. There's definitely some negative to it, but I'll I think the positive outweighs the negative. Give me oh for sure. Give me the big games. Give me a a trim fat version of college football. I do believe there could have been a, a different way to go about it if we had kind of a CEO of college football that actually took control of scheduling and then we could have stayed more regional. But with that never happening, the only way to get these big games is to have super conferences. And, and honestly, that's just boring. So why do it? No, the let's NCAA. Hey, man, it's time to move on. It's time to have bigger games. Uh, I understand people are scared of change. Uh, I understand people are scared of an NFL model in college football. But if we can get more, you know, Oregon versus Ohio State versus Ohio State versus Youngtown State, give me that all day long, you know, and For I'll sure. deal with the consequences of not having regionality in college football. Yeah, boom. Let's move on. We're going to have some good games. This 2024 season is going to be like no other. 
Yeah, man. Uh, so let's get some callers on the line. Let's hear what they have to say. Let's touch base with some real fans in college football. Yes, sir. Our first caller ever. AJ, I got just the man. Charlie out in L.A. has ties to USC. Charlie, are you there? Hey, guys. How are we doing this morning? We're doing awesome, great. Awesome, man. Uh, it's a new day in the Big Ten. What's up, man? It is, yeah, no, and uh, you know, the excitement initially over USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten, I think it's kind of diminished a bit as we watch the, the Pac-12 implode, and uh, a lot of the fans I've talked to out here aren't as excited now that Oregon and Washington have kind of followed in our you know, coattails. You, you just answered the first question I had for you. What's the vibe with USC and LA? So I, I, I think that's kind of it, right? Yeah, I mean, going into this season, obviously you've got a chance for a back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner. And the Coliseum's been full, you know, the energy with Lincoln Riley. And then you've got Cliff Klingsbury coming in as a QB coach, you know, NFL coach, <laughs> signed on to be our QB coach fan base is, is energized and, and I think overall the move to the Big Ten kind of excited fans just for the opportunity to see some new venues and new teams you know the chance yes. to play at Michigan Penn State Ohio State um, you know we can go on and on about that um, so I think overall fans are still pumped but it's still kind of a revolving door and everybody's just waiting to see who else may try to so that's exactly uh, my next question was, what matchups make you go from 6 to midnight? I mean, uh, clearly at at Penn State. Uh, we've played Penn State a few times in the Rose Bowl, which were just epic games. Going into the shoe, big house, you know, even some of the lesser tier Big Ten teams, you know, at Nebraska, uh, SC fans have heard all kinds of good stories about how Nebraska fans treat opposing fans, and then, you know, getting those teams out here, out west, on our turf, I think that kind of excites fans, you know, versus the old, you know, here comes Arizona State again, here comes Oregon State, you know, lesser tier Pac-12 teams, that just brings a new, you know, new level of intrigue, uh, you know, not that this season, obviously, but moving forward. Yeah, I think Adam had it. Everybody needs the uh, whiteout is, is something to see. Yeah, I mean, you can you watch it on TV, and it's nice out here because the games are just on at 5 o'clock our time. Um, it just just looks amazing in the, in the noise, but, you know, for the chance for some of our fans to actually travel out and sit live or, or have our team involved in it, I think it's, it's going to be huge. So, Adam, uh, I think you had a question for him. Yeah, so what tier do you think uh, USC and UCLA fit into the Big Ten? Like, where do you think they stack with the powers there? You know, I feel like just initially joining, we would be, you know, on the second tier. You've got the powerhouses that that are consistently in the running for the college football playoffs, Michigan and Ohio State. And Penn State lately has always kind of finished around 10-2, 10-3. But with the... newer coaches out here there's a chance for us to kind of jump up on that top tier you know so we can continue to recruit and, and obviously you know players like no, I agree I think so. USD I think USC day one comes in tier one I think UCLA is a lot like your Wisconsin man like they might have a up year they might have a down year so I think they're going to fit in that second tier but USC I think walks to the door at tier one like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that might be a Good point, especially with the, the team coming back and even, you know, regardless of 
Williams says obviously he's going to be heading to the NFL. I, I don't see any, any issues you know, recharging the recruits. Um, Maybe they'll get another transfer Heisman. Yeah, and that's the other. That's what Lincoln Riley does. I'm a transfer Heisman type of coach. With, with the transfers and the NIL, you know, nothing's off the table these days. In that L.A. market, the NIL could be ridiculous. I don't know why it's not. They're just not like overpowering everyone else with recruit and just money, just flat out bags yeah. of cash. I mean, just, that's you, they already did that in the Pete Carroll. With, with they did money, that. Yeah. yeah, they did that in the Pete Carroll days. Now it's legal, and everyone in Hollywood is like, "Yeah, I, I want to do it." the illegal stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to do things by the books. That's as soon as that happens, Oregon calls Bill Knight. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a funny point. It, there's two billboards on the, the 10 freeway and the 110 freeway that, that have been up since late spring that, that they're stating, Hey, NCAA, get Reggie Bush's Heisman back. <laughs> oh yeah. They, they absolutely should. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I enjoy the call with you, and hopefully we can get you back on here again sometime. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy listening. All right. Yeah, well, man, thanks for calling in. Don't, uh, don't get any sunburns out there playing volleyball. Yep, we'll do. All right. right, fight on. All right, we'll see you. Well, now we're going to get another caller. Uh, this time it's out of Seattle, Washington. Let's go ahead and bring him in, AJ. Hey, let's bring him in. Let's see, let's see what we got. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, we got a new caller. What's up, man? Where you at? Um, I'm out here in uh, Seattle, Washington, been out here for about a decade or so. So a decade. Where are you originally? Where are you originally from? Uh, born and raised in Northeast Ohio, and then uh, moved to Columbus to attend the Ohio State University, and then about a decade or so ago, moved out to Seattle. Oh, nice! Another Buckeye on. All right, here we go. Hey, awesome guys. Thanks for coming. So we got uh, an Ohio boy here in the Buckeye Steve. We call myself the Beave, and we got AJ up in Wisconsin. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice yeah, to meet you doing? too. Let's get into this. Um, so you obviously saw the news, and you've been out there really right in the territory. So that's interesting that you're a Ohio State fan out there because that would be a cool sp- perspective to get. So what's it like, you know, before all this, being a Buckeye fan out in Pac-12 territory? Uh, I'd say it poses a lot of challenges with the fact that as being a Big Ten fan, oftentimes you didn't get to watch a lot of Pac-12 games, you know, unless you were at the bar at midnight or one in the morning (laughs) when they did the Big big Pac-12 after guard. So you didn't get a lot of the context, a lot of the teams and rivalries being in the Big Ten country. Now you come out to the Pac-12 territory and you realize that a lot of the Pac-12 fans and institutions, they don't have that really – clear perspective on what it looks like uh, to be a Big Ten fan and, and realizing the passion, the rivalries, just things that we take for granted as being in the Big Ten are things that don't come across the same over in Pac-12 territory. Um, a lot of camaraderie amongst the teams. They call themselves rivals in a lot of ways, but not a lot of rivalries in the truest sense of the word. Um, people have a very difficult time understanding the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry out here because that's just not the level of emotion that you see in a lot of Pac-12 sporting events. So definitely a different perspective on college football, to be sure. Yeah. Uh, well, what about what's it like now, you know, going back to seeing UCLA and USC, what was the vibe out there in Seattle like? You know, I, I don't think there was there was much concern. I think they felt that the Pac-12, you know, being 108 years old, would kind of just stand the test of time. 
they they didn't really see it as being something that was not insurmountable. Um, mm-hmm. I think they always had their short list. They were always talking to other institutions. They were disappointed, but they felt that they would be able to move on from it. Okay, so what was your perspective? You know, the Conference of Champions is uh, going to last no matter if L.A. is involved or not, huh? I, I have a hard time with their catchphrase because it doesn't really apply to me. But <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely felt they definitely felt their strength um, was not only in sports but in academics, and they felt that they would be able to kind of weather those storms, get the right media rights deal. I can recall conversations just a few months back where I had made comments that if an offer was made to the University of Washington to join the Big Ten, I said they couldn't sign the deal fast enough. And there were UW fans out here said, no way. That's not true. And I said, yeah, it's absolutely true. Well, because yeah. everything's going to be driven by money. They're all, they're all oxygen-deprived up there on Rainier Mountain, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, certainly, um, that's certainly one of the factors than the other one. I guess that shows my uh, lack of knowledge. It's Mount Rainier, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, who's the toughest fan base out there in the Pac-12 that we're going to have to deal with in the Big Ten? Well, I would have said the toughest fan base in the Pac-12 prior to the transition, but especially now with the transition as occurred, is is Oregon. Just a very confident fan base, and I'm putting that mildly. Uh, (laughs) Just a just a uh, team that has the, the fan base and just the culture around there has this perception that they have a lot more success than what they've actually had. But I would say, again, to put it into perspective of Big Ten, that fan base is relatively mild. The Big Ten, they're pretty ravenous, especially Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Those are just three major ones off the top of my head that just have really passionate fan bases. And, and that's something that I think – these, these four Pac-12 schools, now that they've come over here, they they don't have that emotional buy-in. They they don't have that ravenous fan base. That 24-7 vibe? Like, this is all I they, live for vibe? They don't. Um, and, you, you know, you could really take that a step further, just the Seattle as a whole. Seattle is just, there are so many people here. There are so many things going on, so many activities to do. They're, they're really good about showing up when their team's really good and they need a big, loud crowd for a game. But they're also really, really good about forgetting about that game the next day. And and people, you know, they talk to me a lot of times. They have a hard time understanding why it takes me weeks, months, even maybe a year or so, which may be unhealthy in some circles, but that's, that's the Big Ten fan base. They care about their teams. If their teams are winning – their, their, their falls are going really well. Their teams are losing. Their falls are not going so well. So that is going to be a cosmic shift, I believe, when these Pac-12 schools are even going to places like, you know, West Lafayette or they're going to Minnesota. They're going to Iowa City. They're going to see these fan bases that they have not seen in the Pac-12. I mean, in Iowa, that's going to be awesome. Iowa's a great place oh, to yeah. play. I, yeah, I went to a game there. It was amazing. And that wave, they got a new tradition and everything. So what do you think? How do you think if you had to describe right now one of those matchups that makes you go six to midnight, what would that be? Interesting question. I, I, I think something like maybe USD going out to Penn State. And I'm yeah. trying to pick a matchup that maybe hasn't occurred or hasn't occurred in a while. Um, you know, I, I think the Penn State one I, I kind of point to as an outlier. I know Washington went to the big house a few years ago. 
Oregon went to the shoe a few years ago. You've seen some of that. You've seen some of those connections already. I, I can't recall off the top of my head uh, any big Pac-12 school going to Penn State. No. It's a tough place to play, play at night. The SEC finally got a taste of it. You know, Auburn being there. Yeah. I would love for yeah. some more schools to go there. It's amazing, man. I was there in 2007, I believe, when Ohio State lost to Penn State, and it was awesome. Awesome. I, mean, I loved every minute see, of it. I would love to see Oregon in a whiteout. You know, get those uh, those all-white Penn State uniforms against the flashy Oregon uniforms <laughs> at night in, in Pennsylvania. Come on, man. That is, that. that is true. And also, I'll say that fan base – will have no idea what hit them because I'll tell you what, there are very few places I've ever been uncomfortable as an opposing fan. I think that was one of them. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they just make you yeah. feel uncomfortable for yes, a sir. lot of reasons. Um, they're a very passionate fan base, and you go in there with some swag thinking, oh, I'm used to these 60,000, 70,000 stadiums. It's no big deal. You're getting into the, the six digits when you come to the Big Ten, and it's a whole new ballgame when you have stadium sizes that way. Oh, I remember I remember tailgating right by the stadium with some of these older couples and they were like, Yeah, we want to make sure you're having a good time and I was like, I thought your fan base was a little crazier than this. They're like, Why don't you just go walk over there for a second? I did. And someone threw a full beer of can at me. Not even once. I mean multiple times. I was ducking and they were hitting their own fans' cars. I was like, This is nuts. There was barbecue chicken thrown at me. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. I thought it was sweet. They were destroying their own shit just by trying to hurt me, I guess. So, I mean, the worst things I've heard being thrown at people. That's true. The bag of piss on our band. Yeah, I've I've heard that more than once uh, corroborated from other people. So, that's that's the difference. If you want to point to really what is one of the primary differences between these Pac-12 schools and these Pac-12 fan bases versus the Big Ten, it's the emotional buy-in of the community to how important sports is. We can debate whether or not that's healthy all we want. I mean, whether I'm a diehard Cleveland sports fan, it matters. It changes your attitude. It changes your demeanor, whether or not your teams are winning or losing. And out of state, it is an exceptionally high bar that, that around here they don't understand. Last year going 11-2, I talk about it being an absolutely miserable season and Ryan Day's on the hot seat. And these people around here look at me thinking I'm nuts. No. Yeah, you are. That's a, definition. A loss. That's a definition of fanatic, man. We're nuts. Speaking of that, before we get you out of here, how are the fan bases doing that didn't make the cut? So what, what's going on with Oregon State? What's going on with Cal, Stanford? Wazoo. State? What's the feel out there? Yeah. yeah um, you know, I, I, I'm speaking of my own opinion here. Feel of betrayal is, is kind of the vibe you're getting is, kind of thought there was a solidarity in there. And, and you really look back, if you would just want to go back even a week ago, and I'm trying to recall, I believe the Colorado decision came down either Monday or Tuesday this week, um, Monday maybe, trying to recall that. But I would say prior to a lot of the smoke coming out about Colorado transitioning to the Big 12, there was a very strong sense out here, uh, Pac-12 is going to be fine, you know, exploratory searches with San Diego State, with Boise State, SMU was in the hunt. Those were all real legitimate conversations that were happening, and there was a double-down effect that we're going to be just fine. And then it seems that Colorado transition was that domino because it opened up the Big 12 going after Arizona and Utah, those three institutions in total, and it really opened up Washington and Oregon saying, 
we need that life raft, we need to do this. And unfortunately, when you're looking at Washington State that's based out of Pullman, Washington, you're looking at Oregon State based out of Corvallis, not strong media markets in any sense of the word, not big, big cities in any sense of the word. They were always going to kind of be on the outside looking in unless they were part of a package deal. And that package deal just got signed, sealed, and delivered with just Washington and Oregon. Now you look at Cal and Stanford, you'd like to lean on the fact that, hey, you've got the Bay Area, you've got Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. You've got a great media market that you could try to sell in that area, but apparently not big enough because the Big Ten is not appealing. If they don't find that appealing, there must be something else in those numbers that they don't like. So right now you're probably looking at, possibly if they're lucky, Maybe an invitation to the Mountain West Conference, but right now that television deal that the Mountain West is getting compared to what even the old Pac-12 deal was, it's not even close in comparison. So you've got universities now depending on this, this revenue from these media rights deals. They don't know where their next check's going to come from. There's more going on here, I think. I think there's something behind closed doors with Notre Dame that once it gets to a certain point, Notre Dame's going to pull the trigger and join, whether it be with the Big Ten or with the ACC or even the SEC. I think something's going on. Stanford would be involved, and I. it sounds like maybe even Florida State's involved. But I think that there might be a bigger conference in the end of this with the ACC possibly breaking up. There's more news coming out every day that something's happening in the ACC and people are talking behind closed doors minus Florida State. They're saying whatever the hell they want. Well, I, I, I think what this move ultimately teaches us is that geography is irrelevant. You know, we used to always look at these conferences aligned closely geographically. There was some expansion, some movement, but we kind of felt like there was a west, there was a middle, and there was an east. I think what the Big Ten is doing with this is they're saying it doesn't matter anymore. We want the best schools. We want them wherever they're going to be. We want ideal media markets, obviously having the three biggest media markets in the country in the Big Ten, yeah. you know, footprint. So geography is irrelevant. So you're right. I, I don't have anything to say on that. But there could be a situation where you take the independent, you know, Notre Dame, Stanford, obviously being an elite academic school, and you start pairing a bunch of the other ones together and form your own conference. I, that's pure speculation on my part, but could be. Adam, you got any more questions for our man here? No, man, I really appreciate you calling in. I gave us great perspective. You kind of gave us both sides of the fence, so it's nice to hear. You can talk about what it's like to be in the Pac-12. You can talk about being a Big Ten fan. So, yeah, I appreciate you calling in. Absolutely. And uh, all, uh, all away games to uh, Husky Stadium, I, I expect to see the Big Ten fan bases traveling. So I can't wait for that trip. So I'll be out there. Hey, Mr. Seattle, Mr. Seattle, I think that uh, it went so well today. Maybe we could have you back again. What do you think? I would love to. Thank you. All right. That sounds good. We're going to wrap it up there and maybe we'll get another caller today. We'll see. Thanks again, man. Thanks for stopping by. All right. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you. Yes. Y'all as well. Thank you. We have Jamie, our Pac-12 affiliate. I mean, Big Ten West affiliate now on the line. Jamie, how do you feel about the Oregon Ducks? joining the Big Ten. Hey, hey, I just want to thank you first for allowing me to be on the show. But I'm super excited. That, that would be how I'd describe it. I'm excited for the exposure it's going to bring. The Pac-12 network was a joke. We couldn't get any viewers that way. And uh, the money it's bringing. Also, the recruit. We've been heavily recruiting. But having the, the beds of the Midwest to go into, that's going to be huge for the Ducks. We don't offer much for you 
out there in Oregon or Washington for high school recruits. But as far as what we can pull from the rest of the Big Ten, it's going to be a big deal for us. I think that you're going to see another big brand meet a big conference. And I might be a little biased on my side, but I think you got the crown jewel of the Pac-12 when you got Oregon. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that you might have overlooked was that Seattle area recruiting bed has been popping the last few years, at least with the five stars that Ohio State's pulled in. Mecca, Buka, JTT? No, uh, you're definitely not mistaken. Uh, Ohio State and Oregon have owned the Washington State in, in whole as far as high school recruits, so I don't think it changes a ton by Washington joining the Big Ten and giving you guys a better look, and we've already been right next door to them. It's either Ohio State or Oregon that's pulling the top recruit out of, out of Washington every year. So they do pull in a couple. Oregon kind of lacks in their recruits, but uh, I definitely have to agree with you on it. You get a couple good ones a year out of, out of Washington. So when I look at it, this realignment, and I think about you know things, if this was Ohio State leaving the Big Ten, like what would I miss? What goes through your head when you realize that the Civil War may not be something that happens on an annual basis anymore? Oh, man. Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, memories there. It's, it's going to be an end of an era if, if they decide to end the matchup. It's a it's the longest standing rivalry. It's been around since 1894, and I had the pleasure of growing up uh, 40 minutes from Oregon State uh, over there in Corvallis and 45 minutes outside of Eugene. So I was smack dab in the middle of that rivalry, and towns were split. We were hardworking towns, and we definitely couldn't agree on our football. So I, I'm going to miss that rivalry. It's something that I've grown to love, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to miss it if it's not there. Couldn't imagine not having that game no more. And what do you guys think? Uh, can we rename the game between Oregon and Washington like the Civil Apple Cup War? <laughs> it's got, I don't know if that has a good ring to it, but we got to figure <laughs> something out. I mean, that's, we, we believe as Oregon Duck fans, our greatest rivalry is now UW. And, uh, and so we got to figure out something for that. Yeah, one of our fans on NIL Fan Vote Facebook, good rivalry would be the rivalry between Rutgers and Oregon and call it the Oregon Trail rivalry. He was obviously <laughs> making a joke. Yeah. Someone's getting dysentery. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, Beef, uh, you got any questions for Jamie while we got him on the line? Absolutely. What matchup really has you going from 6 to midnight? 6 to midnight. Uh, I'd have to say, and not to kiss your butt, but that Ohio State matchup has me drooling. I, uh... I was pretty bummed when they, they canceled the game and they were coming to Oregon. I had the pleasure of watching the matchup in Columbus, and so I, I look forward to that. It's two big-time schools that battle each other and recruits every year, and they're two big powerhouses that I want to see that. I mean, I'd be lying if I wasn't excited about seeing uh, Michigan. I'm excited we still get to play USC and UW. Those are our two rivals that I don't want to skip on on our uh, calendar. So I'm, I'm excited that USC couldn't quite run away from us. So in, in with that, if you saw a game at the shoe, a big game, night game, if you saw a game like that in the shoe, you, I believe you have no imagination what is going to happen when you go to Penn State for a whiteout. It is that on steroids. It's there's anything like it you know you might be able to go to lsu and claim that a night game there but a whiteout at penn state is 
awesome. I've been there for Ohio State to lose, and it was the best thing that I've ever experienced. No, I, I can only imagine, and uh, that's something I have a ton of respect from the Big Ten is their, is their fans and how much they support their football teams. You have a team like USC that, yeah, they've had a historically good football team, but their fans only show up at the end of the year. They're not there for the small games. You know, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of a conference that is truly backed by the fans. Yeah, but I think Oregon fits in that category, and I think that's why it's a good fit for them, the Big Ten, because they have that wild fan base. They have that passionate fan base that fills the stadium, win or lose, like they're there. And I think that's Oregon is like an outlier when it comes to the Pac-12 in that department. And speaking on you know the rest of the Pac-12 schools, which is the Pac-4 now, what are your thoughts on the the four that were left behind? You know, I'm a little sad for them. I uh, I did love the Pac-12 and uh, what we had going. I think this is going to be one of the best years, if not the best year, for the Pac-12 conference as far as the teams we had and the show that's about to be put on. I'm sad to see the ones that are going to get left behind, the little little brothers and little sisters, the Oregon States and Washington States. I, I believe Stanford will be just fine. They'll figure out their own way. You know, Cal's, uh, you know, their, their academics come first, just like Stanford. Oregon State and Washington State, they, they put together competitive years, and I'm, I, I don't want to see them fizzle out. Oregon State's probably at the top of their game that they've been at in the last 10 years. So, you know, I, I'm kind of sad for them, to be honest. What do you think would happen? Now, just imagine this. If Oregon State wins the Pac-12 in the last year of existence, uh, I think that'd be probably some type of poetry. As an Oregon fan, I don't think I'm allowed to root for that. But if we're not going to get it done, you know, I think that that would be the poetry of you all are leaving. But, you know, look who's left standing, you know. And so I, to have the arms race they have in the Pac-12 right now, and they're one of the teams that stood by and said we're not going anywhere, you know, to win it, I, I think that'd definitely be college football poetry. Absolutely. Great answer. Yeah, I think, man, the, the bombs over Baghdad that's going to be out in the Pac-12 is going to be amazing. It's the deepest the, the Pac-12 has been in probably 20, 30 years. It's kind of romantic, and, and me and Jamie talked about this being a romantic end to Pac-12 with, you know, six teams uh, having a chance to win the, the conference, which is probably the deepest of any conference this year as far as chances to win. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it, it's going to be a good send-off. It's that, that fairy tale send-off, and... Like you said, one through six, everybody stands a chance. Uh, and so you have the dark horses of the Oregon State, the UCLA, but you have the, the ones that are there that are predicted to be at the top, and that's Oregon, USC, UW, and Utah, who all bring back their own quarterbacks there. And it's going to be an arms race. And back uh, 12 after dark, I think it's going to be historic. Yeah, after dark, the sun goes down. Bring on the fireworks, man. I can't wait to watch the Pac-12 this college football season. But then I'm very happy as a Big Ten fan to bring those those fireworks over here to the Big Ten. But, yeah, uh, yeah. thanks for calling, Jamie. I appreciate you giving us some time, and then hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast pretty regularly. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. I appreciate you both. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also visit the website, nilfanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today.